This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, here with my buddy Spencer. And Spencer, we have had a lot going on. we got stuff to catch up on. We've got English stuff. We've got stuff across the way. But before all that, how are you doing, man? Recovering from a, just a horrible Southampton game yesterday with uh, with your boys at City? Yeah, not the best game yesterday, Andrew, but uh, I put that to bed pretty quick. We'll talk about it here in a second, but you can't have good vibes today, man. We're You can't have bad vibes today. You can have good vibes. You can have good vibes. You can't have bad vibes because we are backpacking across Europe today, my friend, and I am so excited to just go all around. We're very Anglo-centric on this pod sometimes, but we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of Italy and Spain and Germany and France today. And I'm just pumped about it, man. How about you? Yeah, this is just my excuse, actually, to uh, beg players and other leagues to come to Chelsea. So I, I'm glad you think it's, uh, you know, this wholesome, we're going to take a look around. I'm actually just very excited to get to these foreign countries and just try to give them money to come help out Chelsea because they need all the help we can get. But uh, I'm joking, but no, I'm, I'm very excited to take a look kind of at the broader scope of soccer, especially after we spent so much time looking at world soccer, right, with the World Cup and everything else and focused on all these guys. And we've come back and really focused on the Premier League, which is kind of our bread and butter, what we love. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to take a look around, man. I'm excited to see what else is out there. Me too, man. I'm super pumped to just kind of get around the continent. Uh look at some things we don't always get to dive into on this pod because we don't want to give you guys, you know, four hour pods every single week. That's not so good for the old engagement rates, but yeah, um, just really excited. Cause that like, that's, it's stuff we obviously care about. It's um, not die hard, you know, Syria or league One fans or anything, but it's stuff I consciously like to keep tabs on, like to watch games when I see they're on, when I see there's a big matchup, I'm kicking it on and stuff. And we've kind of d- dug into the research books, looked around. We're going to travel to each of these places, kind of immerse ourselves in their soccer culture and see what we come up with, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. And like, even if you only really love the premier league, right? If that's your focus and that's where we are most of the time, it's January, man. If there was ever a time to start peeking at other leagues and start looking at midfielders from this team or what's going on over there, maybe we could get some of their guys. That's how I always feel about January, right? January is a time to look and see what other people got going on on the other side of the fence. And particularly when it's a cup weekend, which like, you know, we all we all enjoy the cup at sometimes, you know. It's fun to watch these fourth <laughs> division teams. But like, like, no, but like, seriously, it's it's fun. It's fun when you like look at your phone on a Saturday afternoon, you're like, oh, this fourth division side is beating this Premier League side. Like, I'm going to kick that on, watch the last little bit of it, unless it's like your team, then it really sucks. But then it sucks. But but uh, but it's like a good time to like kind of look around and see some different teams. But like at the same time, we don't 
I'm sure have many Luton Town supporters that are listening to our podcast. My uh, my fa- <laughs> that's that's true. My favorite way to do that is you look down, you see. Let's just stick with it, right? Luton Town is beating Bournemouth. Oh, okay, two one. Like the sixty second period, sixty second, sixty seventh minute. Let me uh, open up the ESPN app and get it open. And oh, it's time, right? Like <laughs> how often? Because like it's the great thing about like it's what we love about March Madness, right? It's what we love about all these other things. It's the little guy getting to make a run and getting it on a shot and promotion and relegation. I think is, I think maybe the single most important thing that makes this sport so special to me, right? To soccer, it's a true meritocracy at that point. Um, so getting to see like the lot you know the difference between you know somebody playing at coventry and somebody playing at city and just having it be like oh there's a huge talent gap but it's marginal right it's a cut he's a couple he's a couple centimeters taller he's a couple he's a little bit faster he's a little bit shorter like those are the margins that they're playing at. yeah and it's uh interesting i know we've sat here for almost five minutes and gushed about this being a european pod but um we start in the great old land of England. We uh, departed it's a true our backpacking plane. trip, right? If we're it's if a, we're flying into somewhere, we're probably flying into England. Well, we've we've flown into Heathrow, and we're here in London today, Andrew, and in the shadow yes. of Big Bend and Big Bend. Big Bend is a road in the town I live in. Big Ben. Let's try that again. Big Ben. Uh, but in the shadow of Big Ben and the oh. Royal. Uh, God, what's the palace called? Buckingham Palace. We're here. We've actually settled in, Andrew, at a uh, nice little pub right in the shadow of Stamford Bridge here. Uh, I've asked our waitress for a couple pints and a couple plates of fish and fries. There's a bit of a language barrier (laughs) because she doesn't understand what fries are. I've explained it to her. Everything's sorted out. and We've got our food. We've got our drinks. and We can dive into the English League here first and... Andrew, there's only one place to start, and as I've said, we're in the shadow of Stamford Bridge at this pub right now, and it's a <laughs> there's a somber attitude over here, man, because what's going on at Chelsea right now, my friend? You're a supporter of the club, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's it's brutal. You said you said big bend by accident, but we've basically been big bending over and just taking it for the last three, 10, 15 games, it seems like. It's it's been a horrible run of form. Um, we have a full 11 of injured players that I think would start over the current players now with, uh, Zakaria going down today, but just in case you haven't been keeping up, um, Chelsea got to, had the privilege of losing twice in a row in the fish and fries classic here to Spencer, uh, putting up a pretty good fight in the first game and then absolutely just laying an egg in the second game on Sunday. So. Um, not quite an emergency pod. We thought we had to bring you guys right away. Um, and then today they, they bring in Joe Felix. They, they make a move, right? They bring somebody in and he looks good. They give up a goal and then they didn't have a great first half. Their whole defense was horrible. In the second half, we score pretty quickly, right? Fifth, six, fifth, uh, probably not even five minutes in the second half. And then Joe Felix who just got here, he's been here like 30 hours, picks up a horrible, can't even argue it, red card, just dives in with two feet. 
absolutely destroys. I think it's Harrison Reed, maybe for Fulham there. Um, and he's probably going to be out three matches now, which the reason we made this loan move and brought him in is because we have a full starting 11 of guys who aren't playing right now because they're injured. So I don't know. I, I need, I know we're sitting here in the, uh, in the shadow of Stanford bridge, but it's a, it's a long shadow right now, Spencer. I, I need, uh, I need something here, buddy. I need, I need a little bit. It's certainly been gloomy in this part of London for a little while here, Andrew. Um, Look, we were on here last pod, and I, I still maintain that I think this is okay. It's not a total and utter failure for Chelsea to have a little bit of an off season this year. But, like, holy shit, man. Is somebody just even from the outside? I'd like Graham Potter to just get a win just to come up for a breath because he's just he feels like he's underwater right now, just drowning. I'd I'd like to see him just poke his snorkel up at least to get a breath in there or something. Um, this team's had a really tough go of it, man. Uh, the injuries are really tough, obviously, as you've referenced. The form's not good of a lot of the guys. And uh, look, I think it's easier to explain a couple losses to City away. Um Obviously, yeah. they're my team, but that's, you know, a team that's traditionally going to be at the business end of all these competitions and stuff. But today you go to Fulham, you lay an egg. Um, there's a couple yeah. games before that. I don't have the fixture list in front of me, but they've lost a couple probably. Uh, Nottingham Forest comes to mind of them drawing yeah. Forest. These are games that if you're a Chelsea fan like yourself, uh, those are must-have three-pointers for you. And... Yeah, times are it's it's gloomy in this part of London, as I said, man. Uh, the the mood in this pub is it's down. Yeah, it, it's it's brutal. It's a really tough time to be um, a Chelsea fan. Uh, I do think the only person who maybe wants them to do better than me is you, because you get all my constant Chelsea uh, analysis and just text messages, and then even before we get on here um talking about it and everything else so i i actually do think like you're the person most negatively affected by chelsea's run it's like Graham potter one spencer two andrew three but andrew's head is just down just sad. well you know what's hilarious about that is today you were you know giving me your normal eh, not normal it's a bit extra right now as you've just kind of laid out it's a warranted. bit more amp- the ex- the extra is warranted we're 100 percent. but i'm just saying it's a bit more amplified of you need a venting outlet during the game and today i decided that um i wasn't going to take in that game i just watched the highlights later on because i was enamored with this uh bernie madoff documentary that's on netflix right now and i was watching that and i'm sitting there watching that i keep getting the ribbons dropping down on my phone of like Joe Felix sent off like what the fuck this is terrible oh my god and I'm just like I'm just really trying to learn about Ponzi schemes right now man but yeah it's uh, it's tough right now man it's a it's got to be tough right now and uh like I said we have an outlet at least now for you to just air all this out to the people man uh a, a true city fan uh when when one of their friends was in a really tough spot and needed them they instead watched how other people just played with all this crazy money. And then he's going to turn on uh, city, city at the weekend and hope his crazy money team does better than, uh, than United. But um, yeah, man, I, if, as far as like actual 
uh, analysis of it all goes. It's like this time last week when we recorded, it was looked probable they were going to get Enzo Fernandez. That's fallen through. It's just been a crazy up and down roller coaster. And I know that's what you're signing up for when you root for Chelsea. But um, as someone who's uh, actual, like the teams they root for of the Cubs, the Bulls, the Vikings, like I don't have... I don't, I'm not used to this kind of like attention based on, on a team that I care about. So it's like exhausting to be like, what do you mean every other fab tweet is about Chelsea? All of them. Just like, oh. He's just targeting you guys. Dude. I swear he just, he, he writes an e-player in Chelsea and he knows the engagement's just through the roof. Like yeah. I like to think that they're, cause it's obviously, I, I'm a big believer that Fabrizio's whole thing is like a conglomerate these days. He's got a whole team around him. And oh, I like sure. to think, somebody's just like fab the engagement's kind of down today like what sh- we, we want to get some more engagement with the fans he's like just tell them chelsea and any big player chelsea any big player and just he writes a tweet up the team writes the tweet up and engagement man, back through the roof. months left on his deal it's like no more time than he had on <laughs> he does like, yeah he does he does just he just hits you guys with the most random strays sometimes but when todd Bowley's just you know, throwing around yeah. money like it's fun coupons. Um, I'm convinced too that just agents at this point are linking players to Chelsea when they want their player to get a move, and they're like, "Yeah, uh, Chelsea's linked strategy. to everybody." <laughs> yeah, Chelsea's linked to everybody, so we might as well say that some like, "Oh, we we want uh, Arsenal to buy Mudrick, but you know, uh, Arsenal don't- at the Chelsea game." Like, yeah, Shakhtar's like. Oh, um, literally we need hanging 70 out million. With, with Todd Bowley at the Chelsea game, like right, but like Shakhtar's maybe like, oh, oh well, Arsenal won't give us this seventy million. We'll just say that he's linked to Chelsea too, and Arsenal might have to believe it. So that's <laughs> it is and, tough and right now, man. It's it's Chelsea is basically just acting as like market insurance to make sure all these agents get their pay, um, because it's like I don't know, like, and I. We've kind of talked about this before, like, and not to just go so, so far into Chelsea. I mean, they are probably the biggest story in soccer right now, just with how badly it's going and how publicly they're all over the transfer and everything else. Right. But, um, like, I think Todd Bowley's trying to do good business. Right. But he's just getting so much publicity for everything right now that it's, getting blown out of the water as like poor business. Um, we were kind of talking about that with the Enzo Fernandez thing the other day, but um, yeah, man, it, it's just an exhausting time to be a Chelsea, fan, to be a Chelsea fan, like just exhausting. Yeah. And I think we can look, we're a podcast. That's a half, like half of our podcast is a Chelsea supporter. If this continues to go the way it is, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about and unpack Chelsea going forward. But it um, continue like no, if it continues like this, we're going to have a problem. It's going to be this cool. might get painful for Andrew to hop on here every week. But just to kind of put it to bed, yeah, I I think I still maintain what I said. Um, we want Graham Potter to come up for air at some point, just because I even as not a supporter of them, I start to feel bad. But yeah, it's it's tough times, but uh. Speaking of being a supporter, I obviously let's touch on mine real quick. Let's just put this to bed. City got Can I played frame off it as uh, you get played off the pitch by a guy you sold for like four million dollars because yes. Lavia was like the best player on the field. For, uh, yeah, like, yeah. City got played off the pitch by Southampton at Southampton uh, in the Carabao Cup. Not great. I can't fall back on that. City played a 
weekend lineup because they didn't on paper. Um, honestly, I'm just going to lay it out this way because we have a lot to get to today and you can rebuttal. Kevin De Bruyne is not good right now. I have texted you about this the last yeah. <laughs> two weeks. I, he's, he's, he's really bad right now. Like He goes through some really bad patches of form like once a year. He's having it right now. It's tough. He's giving the ball away. He doesn't look like he's that creative outlet, and we run our offense through him. So when you're giving the guy the ball 80 times a game or whatever, and he's not putting passes together, it's – the whole team suffers. That makes part of it. I don't believe – I'm trying to remember. It was a couple of days ago now. I don't believe he even started this game. But No, I think he subbed in. When he came in, he was not good. Um, he didn't look good in either of the Chelsea games. He didn't. Right? Like, cons- I've also watched your team play a lot recently. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's in a tough patch of form, man. Um, Cancelo's not been good lately. It kind of seems like that started with him getting dropped by Portugal at the World Cup. He's he's not – I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or what. But um, I can't pin this on two guys. The whole team looked like they showed up and had an attitude of, yeah, if we get beat today, it's one less one or two less fixtures we have to worry about. Yeah. Um, which, honestly – Maybe it's a bit unfair of me, but if we're eliminating a competition, if we're you're ranking like trophies you can win, and are you going to rank uh, the Champions League as a possibility? I I, I have told you I oh. I'm manifesting it like a reverse psychology type of thing. We're just never going to win a Champions League, and it's fine, and I'm okay with it. So I <laughs> it's, better it's the whole your, it's better than your compromises for the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> That is an off-topic thing that we are not going to get into. But Completely off-topic. But um has to be said. But, you know, it's the hope that gets you, Andrew. So it's just I've chosen to not have any hope with the Champions League. And if it happens, then I'll be thrilled. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and expect anymore. But if you're, like, power-ranking the trophies, the competitions you can be eliminated from that you can, like, win in a season, like, what, it's probably Community Shields, one that you don't give a shit about, which we lost that too. so great. <laughs> and two is probably the Carabao Cup, like, so at the end of the day, I'm okay with it. I've kind of put it to bed. I've compartmentalized it and I, I cannot care and kind yeah. of be okay with it. As long as this doesn't run into the weekend, which I don't want to move too far ahead because you might have something to say on the Southampton game, but you hope this form like, of this, I don't give a fuck mentality. The team seem to have doesn't run into the weekend, which is a huge fixture, huge fixture. Uh, definitely the game of the weekend. Um, one last thing on just Kevin De Bruyne and, uh, and city it's like how long does it take to get like that gross belgian stank off of him right like every, i feel like every time he goes away and plays for the national team i feel like that's when he comes back and like does not play well because like belgium i did anybody have a worse world cup than belgium like if if lukaku didn't exist thank goodness for chelsea and his horrible scoring record like you know i think kdb would get a lot more blame for that than he does I don't think anybody came out of that situation looking like a good teammate or a good person to like be around. You know what I mean? Like in a soccer situation and then to come back and look really disjointed. Like I, I'm not saying this as a, like a way to bring your, your city down, right. Your team down or be a hater or anything like that. But like, it's worrying, right? Like this is the most worried I've been about city in a long time. And I am always the person to just be like, oh, you'll be, talking about what's going on with City, and my response will be like, Pep, Holland, KDB, like, what's the worst that could happen? But I'm, I'm, 
I might, I'm start. There's some there. I mean, there's been chinks in the armor, but at this point, the armor, the armor has been KDB. So I don't know, man, this is, I, I don't want to skip over this. I want to make sure we're, we're on this. Cause I think it's a huge thing for the rest of the premier league season here. hundred percent. And look, I, I don't mean to be, I have to do it. I, I mean, I kind of have to sewer you here, man. Like I Chelsea's in bad form, but see to just tear them apart on Sunday or whatever it was, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, in the FA Cup. What was it? Four nil, five nil. I can't remember off the top of my head. It was only four nil. Only four nil, but uh, it's just it's kind of what I've said. It City's just got these weird, lame ducks in them, it feels like. I don't know if it's a trying to figure out how to play with the striker thing. Sometimes they look fantastic, sometimes they don't look like they're at it. Um I'm not ready to say I'm worried about anything yet. Um but we'll have an episode next week and let's circle back after this Manchester Derby, which we're both really looking forward to. Uh, I, I think a big thing for me is that this game against Southampton, we talk about in American sports a lot. It felt a lot like a trap game type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, big fixture, our biggest rival away this weekend. We have Southampton who are bottom of the premier league in the cup away. Like, Seems like it was. I, a big I didn't time even know the game, game was happening. I'll be 100% honest. It's that kind of trap game where it's like, we, me and you are all over these schedules, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you text me something about just like, you know, just can't believe what happened in this game. And I literally had no idea they were even playing. Like, it's, it's that level of like fixture congestion. Like, I feel bad for the players because I can't even keep up. And all I'm doing is watching occasionally. Yeah. And, so I'm not worried. Let's let's circle back on that and over the week and next week or whatever after we see what happens over the weekend. But just to kind of round out the cups really quick, uh, Carabao Cup outside of that game, our final four will be Southampton after they beat City, United are through, um, Newcastle and who is no Newcastle, Newcastle Newcastle lost, right? Didn't Sheffield Wednesday beat Newcastle? This is Carabao Cup, FA Cup, Newcastle. This is what I mean. They have two cup weekends in a row, and it's just throwing my mind mind into a total pretzel, and it's annoying. The FA Cup was before. The Carabao Cup, man, this is tough to like podcast on the fly. It is and, Newcastle. And also, and also, who like tell me what's different about these two cups. The fact that they're running simultaneously is just like it's very hard to delineate, right? Me and you pay a lot of attention to this stuff. Like I can't imagine somebody paying less attention than we do has any grasp on what's going on with these two random competitions. They've jammed into the season. It's just been such like a pileup. Okay. I got it. It's Nottingham forest playing Manchester United and then Southampton playing Newcastle in the next round of the Carabao cup. Riveting and television. In the FA cup, <laughs> We are not going to get into all the teams that advance because there's still like fucking 32 of them. And I'm not going to read off 32 teams. That is terrible for a podcast. But to circle <laughs> back to the FA Cup. Circle back to the World Cup podcast. You don't want to listen to the three <laughs> teams. We've grown so much. To circle back to the FA Cup a little bit just before we get out of England. We have a train to catch down across the English Channel through the channel, as they call it to get to France next. But before we do that, Andrew, let's just look at some of the big surprises in the FA Cup. As you just kind of referenced, Sheffield Wednesday did beat Newcastle, 
who Sheffield Wednesday in the third tier, great for them. That's an yep. awesome victory for them. I think for Newcastle, that fixture, as we just kind of said, fixture pile up. That fixture was like three days before they played in the Carabao Cup, and they were already to the quarterfinals. So they pro they did play a weekend squad and stuff in that game, but still mm-hmm. probably should be the third division side. But good on Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, uh, I just. With Newcastle, it's like it's it's a little too early for you guys to be worried about fixture congestion, right? I know everybody's dealing with it this year, but like me and you have both seen our teams do this where you get the big money and you slowly kind of build up, right? Like to keep the like home fan base happy with what's going on, you show out in these cup competitions, right? You go to a, you go to Wembley, you go to a cup final, and these these silly English fans are already like. I'll get tricked into thinking like, oh, yeah, we finished eighth and we could have done better. But we did get that final at Wembley, right? If we would have just beat Arsenal, like it's a real thing that people trick themselves into doing that I don't think happens to American fans as much. But these English fans are or something else. Yeah, I think honestly for Newcastle, where they're at in the league. The fact they were already to a quarterfinal, I was OK with them kind of being like mail this one in. Um whatever like losing to a third division side is not great but they were away from home and just one more thing on that game and uh, i don't know if we've ever actually had this conversation have you ever seen the uh hillsborough documentary from espn yeah yeah so this was like just the type of thing it's it's something like you know maybe we're a little bit neither of us have ever before right now been to england so we've never been to the grounds and stuff, but uh-huh. um, something just made my skin crawl. Like there's not a lot. If you said the whatever stand, I would be like, whatever, or the whatever interest to a stadium. I don't know. One that does stick in my head, Andrew, is Leppings Lane, because that yeah. is where obviously the disaster of Hillsborough was at that interest of Sheffield Wednesday's ground. Um, there's problems there. There were pictures coming out of there that were just terrifying. That were yeah, like, it's it, it made my it made my skin crawl. It makes my it's my skin's crawling right now just talking about it again. But like as soon as I heard, I, I think I believe I read it online of like I saw congestion at Leppings Lane, and right away I was like, that's I know what that is. That's terrifying and really scary. Thank God I don't believe anybody was seriously injured in this, but <laughs> scary shit, man. Really scary shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and and like, that's one of those things where it's, it's absolutely crazy because it's not something we grew up about. So we hear about it later, right? There's an ESPN 30 for 30 or not quite 30, whatever it is. Right. There's a documentary on it. Um, I highly suggest it if you haven't seen it. Super, super good. But like that, when that's how you learn about stuff like that, right. It's, it's just a really cool thing with, with all the different like culture of sport and everything else that everybody's got their own stories and their own stuff like that. So obviously not like a celebrated one, right. It's obviously more than a cautionary tale of, of a lot of different things without getting into it. But you're right. Whenever I see that too, it's like, Oh, right. That is, that is that place. It's terrifying. And thank God it seems like everybody was okay. But the fact that they didn't have that, figured out is like that should never be happening if if any anywhere in the world that shouldn't be a thing it's there they've obviously lived through one of the most traumatic stadium experiences in the history of soccer you think they'd have it a little more figured out but everybody's okay it seems like so thank god um 
Moving on, FA Cup stuff. Uh, fourth tier Stevenage, Andrew. They win at yeah. Villa. At Villa. These are these are teams you only see when you're starting out your career mode in FIFA. Um, let's not pretend any of us really have anything to say about Stevenage. I, I would love if you've got Stevenage analysis. Embarrassing for Villa. Um, do you kind of like this? Chelsea are so bad that any loss from a Premier League team kind of feels like a win. Uh just on uh on aggregate i guess but um yeah man them and then i i the other one i want to make sure we bring up is non-league wrexham getting it done moving on to the next round man ryan reynolds rob McElhenney. i i really enjoyed i just told you i think last weekend i binged the whole the whole welcome to wrexham and it's fantastic so good i i have not watched it to be fair so i'll just put myself out there on that but Honestly, I've seen and heard various media people being like, oh, like Wrexham spends way too much money for National League. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Just you guys just enjoy it. They are non-league. Like I get it. They're good for non-league. When they're beating a championship shot like side, come on. That's second yeah. tier versus fifth tier, I believe they're in. Yeah. They're in the I, I just at what point I understand there's a lot of problems with football, but I just feel like there's people that rush to just, they, they don't want to have any joy with anything that happens when a fifth division team is beating a second division team. They're a huge underdog. That's a great story. It's awesome. I was like super, I tuned on tuned in as the end of that game to like, see them, see it out. That was a great game too. I think it was like four, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was yeah. four three. It was a great game, and yeah, well on Wrexham. It's cool to see this team that's kind of become sports are fun. Meme- right, have fun with <laughs> this. Is the one you guys care about? Okay, I understand when it's the World Cup and it's too much pressure. You guys don't want to have fun, right? I get it. That's nerve wracking. This is fun. When St. Peter's goes on a run in the NCAA tournament, you know what? Ninety eight percent of the population does. They get behind the underdog, man. Have fun as long as they're not playing against your school or your team, right? In in the English, you know, FA Cup and that kind of thing, right? Do I hope Chelsea lose to Wrexham? Nope, nope. I hope Chelsea beat Wrexham nine nothing. Would be great for me. Holy cow, could we use a win? But like, if they're playing literally anyone else, I hope they keep going, right? Yeah. Have fun with your sport. It's a it's a sport. I think you guys do a lot of things that are really good with with sport. I think you do them better than this but this is an example of a thing you guys do good and you're right people online are getting grumpy that a privately owned company is spending too much money on something they don't want them to spend on and the people of Wrexham get something from it they get to go to the games they get to have these fun things right like oh man just annoying man it's just yeah yeah, yeah. It, sorry that it's was a little bit of a rant, I, I, just like, no but i we we have these rants together all the time and i'm like obviously we're supporters of teams that have had large influxes of cash over the last 20 years or so yeah so maybe i'm a bit more sympathetic to it sometimes but i'm just of the opinion of let us have fun it's a fun story there's no need to look for the negatives in it um right chelsea's got all your negatives right here (laughs) what's wrong with sport come out to stanford bridge we got you um I think kind of the only other thing to really talk about in England before we move on, because I know we do want to get moving on here, but we touched on it, but Manchester, red or blue this weekend, uh, 
the Red Devils could not be playing better coming into this. Marcus Rashford looks like the best player in the world, something I've been touting about how good I think that guy is for years, and it's really coming good right now. City are are floundering a little bit, and then you also got these other two lesser London teams. Like We were kind of talking about small teams with Wrexham, so I want to make sure we bring up some of the smaller London teams too, just because I think it's fun. Um, Oh, boy. Tottenham Hotspurs, I believe. Um, And then Arsenal will be playing this weekend as well. So a couple big games. (laughs) North London Derby. Uh, This guy's just the smaller London teams. But yeah, we we kind of touched on the Manchester Derby. Uh, As you said, United are in great form. City had a stinker. Hopefully that's a trap game type thing, and they're really up for this one. It is at Old Trafford, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, I hate that it's at 6 a.m. on Saturday. There goes my sleep. As as somebody who has to work Saturday starting at 9 o'clock, I'm so happy it's the early game. <laughs> I was so excited to see that. I almost texted you earlier today, and then Chelsea decided to do what they were doing, so. Oh. Yeah, tough on me. I'm not supposed to be working or anything. I'm supposed to have a nice relaxing morning, but I will be up at 5.45 a.m. making breakfast and, and not squinty relax. eye looking at the TV. <laughs> but will uh, be relaxing is the other part of that. Me, yes, I will be just a complete stress, stress ball from the stress time ball. I wake up. It's, it's, uh, a, it's a Premier League staple. It's a stress fest before breakfast. <laughs> but the other one, the North London Derby, uh, I'm excited for it. We'll see where my attitude is at. Like if City do pull out, that game's on Sunday, I believe. Sunday later, like the later I slot. I it's but, a later game, yeah. But um, either way, I know it's on Sunday. And uh, my attitude going into that North London Derby will be completely based on what happens Saturday morning at 6 a.m. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see whether uh... – Conte can put together two consecutive second halves instead of having to play that first half they're having so much trouble in. And um, we'll see if Arsenal can continue their first half dominance. Right. That's the one thing I'm really interested in is that Arsenal have been good in first halves. Uh, Like that Brighton game sticks out a few weeks ago where they were just all over Brighton in the first half. Yep. And then they can kind of shut it down. Yep. Right. And Spurs are terrible in first half. So uh, something's got to give here. Hopefully Spurs for my sake. Um I'll, I'll be, I'll be before, we say either way. before we say too many other nice things about other London teams, any chance we can just leave the country? Can we just get out of here? Well, our train's actually pulling up and uh, we're, we've boarded. We're going through the channel as we speak. We're kind of podcasting on the fly here, Andrew. But just one more thing before we do get into France is we shit on Burnley a lot on this podcast. And I think we got to give them a little bit of, a couple of roses here. Vincent Company's got them playing. They've, they've kind of just totally reset. I watched a little bit of this game. They they aren't your father's Burnley, I guess you would say. They they play football, dude. They play. They beat uh, Bournemouth, which granted Bournemouth near the bottom of the Premier League table, but still up a division and yeah. they're top of the championship. They're probably coming back up as it looks right now, maybe as champions of the championship. So well on Burnley. I know you catch a lot of strays on this podcast from us but uh i gotta shout him out a little bit man from from us spencer who is the number one anti-burnley guy historically in our friendship it's not me i know who it is and i know that this is just a backhanded secret compliment to city because now it's it's not burnley's coming good it's vincent company has shown them the way of football and we we continue to just have manchester city just fixing everything for all parties it's just another it's just another win for 
another win for uh, for Pep. Well, as we we pull, we're pulling into Paris here, Andrew. So let's put it to bed. And I I can't deny that you are correct. It's a little bit of me touting the excellence of the city footballing way. But um, I would argue that you've been at least complicit in my Burnley hate. So. <laughs> Well, I, I, I would like to have anybody over the last four years show a good counter argument to Burnley don't play an exciting batch of football, but it has been one member of our of our podcast here's bane of their existence and the example of everything that is wrong with soccer for four years. So um, just I know Spencer's the one that said it. Congratulations, Burnley. Spencer is willing to at least recognize you as a football club um, and maybe a town soon. Not yet, but we're working that way. We're getting there. A couple but- more Man City guys. Um, you're going to want to bring in Oda Mendy. Then Spencer will really think well of you. Um, All right, relax, relax. He, he still doesn't think well of you. He just really loves Manchester City. Don't believe it, Burnley. He's not but- going to say nice things about you. Andrew, we've departed our train and these French people are staring at us as we blabber into this mic in English. And just one last thing is that Sean Deitch, the anti-football man, has been linked to Everton. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll, we'll circle back to that next week. And- yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. To, like this is a really good Premier League weekend, right? Next week that's why it's good to kind of step out, see what else is going on in the world, because a lot to talk about next week. A lot, Andrew, and um, actually, right over there, I see the Eiffel Tower. It's just beautiful. I, we're let's stop in this little cafe and let's kind of get into French football here, man. Um, I'm thinking maybe like grab a couple croissants, maybe a baguette, nice no, cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the carbohydrates. Nice baguette, nothing better. But uh, maybe a nice croc, Mister. I did take French in high school, four years of it. Um, I don't retain much of that but i think i can maybe get our order in at least um can but you, as can we're you at least pretend we're swedish uh tourists and maybe then they won't hate us yeah i could I think you definitely can get us through in swedish but I, oh yeah i can definitely get us through in swedish i'm at least uh i like to say that in swedish i'm basically like a like five-year-old like i have a five-year-old's vocabulary i can definitely get us around but um yeah, have we can hope, definitely we can definitely have front you Swedish that dumb Swedish have you have you helped out those two dumb Swedish men at table three? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna bring them some bread and leave coffee. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but they bought us our baguette, they bought us some nice French wine, some nice champagne here, Andrew. And let's uh as we're in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower here, let's break down French football and really um look the league. Are we gonna what, have to go to a farm? <laughs> yeah we might have to go to a farm because the league is look the league is it's psg it's not one of those years where psg randomly gets upset or something it doesn't look that way but uh, to be fair um rc Lons, they're four points back they did beat psg like on new year's day i believe that's interesting okay. that's good for them that's a team that i generally know nothing about like even when like a Lille or a Lyon or a Monaco are making a run right, at them, Marseille. I know some players. Yeah, something like that. It's like okay, yeah. So great, happen. yeah. So great for RC Lons. That's just that's awesome for them. I think that's really cool. I know they have um, a couple like fun stories on that team. So I'm interested to see how kind of that plays out. But um, otherwise, PSG is obviously the big driving football force in this country, and. 
look, the league's usually pretty sewn up for them. That's kind of a given typically for them. The big question for them is always going to be the Champions League, Andrew. And they play Bayern Munich in the next round. A really tough yeah. draw for them. Um, that's going to be the story on everybody's minds, I'm sure. We've talked to a couple of locals here, and they've mentioned it, that they're really interested to see how that goes. Uh, how do you see this Champions League fixture paying out, playing out for them next month? Um, I so playing playing by is like it's almost to me like, and I know we'll get to Germany, so we'll we'll break down Bayern Munich, but it's like, okay, Robert Lewandowski is not there, right? The biggest bugaboo anybody would have about playing Bayern, other than just how good their whole squad is, is gone, right? So is this the year you want to play Bayern? Mane's been hurt. Is Mane going to be back? But I think a lot of kind of the internal French drama about football, right, comes down to people you've already brought up, Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe. It's like, one, the question is, are they going to show up enough to to just overpower anybody they play with? Because that is an option anytime they come onto the field, right? They just have so much offensive firepower. Two, is the coach and the um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, like the the new sporting director there, are they going to have enough influence over what's actually going on to kind of kind of control this team and focus them on this? Because really, since Tuchel was there and got them to that final a couple years ago, I think where they lost to Bayern, they haven't really been able to put together a run, right? Have they? They have all this talent on paper, and in the league, they have all this talent, and they are the most talented team. Every weekend they suit up, right? Regardless of who you're playing. But it's like, can they put it all together, right? Like soccer's a team sport. We know this. Can they do yeah. it? Yeah. And when you look at their squad, obviously they're one of the deepest squads in European football. Um, I do think from what I have seen of them this year, Galtier, the new manager, has them playing really nicely, like a little more of a organized system. Um, that said... The big, uh, the other big dog in their group in the Champions League was Juventus, who have been shocking, frankly. And we'll get to them a little yeah. bit later yeah. as we travel through the Italian area. But um, they they have looked really impressive. Um, they lost to Benfica, I believe, in the group stage. But Benfica has been, you know, pretty good. They've looked pretty solid. Yeah. Um, that Enzo Fernandez guys before we didn't know a lot about him, but then he went to the world yeah. cup and one young player, of the tournament. So him masterclassing against them uh, looks a little better in hindsight, but yeah, I don't think we have to dive super deep into the fixture because honestly uh, it's not like in a month from now, we're not going to go through all these champions leagues fixtures again, but it's more just of a general question of like, I guess to put them to bed it is it an, like if they were to lose to Bayern, but be competitive, is that enough for them? Like, do you think they'll be okay with that? Maybe. I think the answer has to be no. Right. Like your only thing all year, right. Your only real competition all year, right. Is the champions league, right. You guys are the ones who put yourselves in this point by having the greatest attack, right. You have Chelsea name. Like <laughs> we didn't even talk about Neymar. They have Neymar, the one of the best players ever to do it for Brazil. And we haven't Never heard him of him. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you just watch you just watch Champions League finals, so you've never you've never heard of him. Um but he uh but 
jokes aside, like that's the level you're playing at. So like, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment. Um, I almost think the biggest story is like, is Messi going to resign? Right. Every, every year it seems like, or every transfer deadline, right. A couple weeks before or right at the deadline, all of a sudden Mbappe is not happy and Mbappe wants to leave. Right. Is he going to go to Real? And I think those are kind of the big questions with French football is how long can they hang on to this talent? Yeah, at least domestic league wise, I think those are big things. I think that's honestly, to be fair, the French league gets a little more flack sometimes than it deserves. I think there are really good players that come out of there. It, it's somewhat similar to Germany, which we have yeah. a we have a flight to board to there soon in a second but um yeah it's somewhat similar to them in that there's one really dominant team and there's a lot of good talent there and the other teams do a good chant like a good job of developing that talent and bringing it through like look at a um leal who won the league uh i believe two years ago now but that team kind of gets picked apart um but yeah, we'll see how like the Mbappe Messi thing works out. Uh, we'll see if anybody can kind of like RC Lawns can kind of continue this good run of form and see if they can stay in this at least Champions League race. I, I don't anticipate them going on for a title or anything, but I think honestly, just before we get out of here, maybe the more high profile story with French football is the drama kind of going around the national team, Andrew, with... Uh, Zidane, obviously great. Yeah, Yeah. Zidane, obviously a great uh, French manager at club level. He's had a lot of success. He stated in the past his desire to coach the French national team. That said, the guy in charge right now, Didier Deschamps, has been pretty fucking good, Andrew. He won a World Cup. Uh, That's always pretty good. He got to it. Got to a final. That's uh, pretty that's, solid. If you don't win it, that's that's as, that's the other one that that's as good as you can do. If you don't win it, that's as close as you can come. As close as you can get. But um, then basically what happened is that um, – I'm sorry. I don't have his name in front of me, but a high-ranking executive in French football kind of sewered Zidane being like, yeah, we're just a shop. We don't care about anything else, blah, 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 blah. Uh, really – demeaned uh really demeaned Zidane I should say sorry and basically totally threw all his horses in the uh Deschamps camp I believe also Deschamps signed an extension that's supposed to take him through the next world cup in 2026 so a lot of drama there for a team that just went to a world cup final (laughs) yeah let me let me help you out here Zidane Zidane you would like to coach the French team you can't, they keep winning or almost winning the competition that they're in, right? Like, I know he's a French legend. I know he wants to coach that team, right? He's been taking, what, like almost, what, two years off, kind of waiting for this. Unless he goes out in the group stage at the Euros, Deschamps the best coach, man. Like, you, like, why would you upset the apple cart, right? There's no Greg Berhalter level scandal going on. It's that one guy wants to coach the team. The guy who's coaching the team is super good at coaching the team. And like 
he would have to win two straight world. Okay, they fire Deschamps today. Zidane takes over. He would literally have to win the next two World Cups to do any better. That's the only way he could do better than Deschamps. Like, like, and I, I get why the guy from the Federation said that. I, I agree. I, I also don't have his name on me here. But, like, you can't. <laughs> I know he wants to coach the team. It's just not in the cards right now, man. Like, the guy we hired to coach the team doesn't lose any games. What do you want me to do? Yeah, Deschamps resume speaks for itself right now. I understand Zidane and Zidane. We'll talk about the U S a little more later when we return back home, but like he was not linked. I guess I should say the, the U S Brazil and Portugal, I believe off the top of my head, they all inquired about whether he'd maybe be interested in managing them. And he basically all told them all to no. kind of kick rocks because he's, it really seems like he's a, basically gone to a France or busts type of thing now since he left Madrid. And um, I, look, that job's just not available and Deschamps done nothing. I, I agree with you. You can't, to you can't remove himself. Yeah. Yeah. Zidane, Zidane's got to have some evidence on Deschamps. That's the only way he can get that gig right now. And like when you paint yourself into this corner of like, he's cause like they were talking about Zidane uh, when the Chelsea job was up to with Tuchel. Right. When you paint yourself into this corner of like, I will only either coach the best national team in the world right now, not named Argentina, you know, no disrespect to Argentina, right? Who won the World Cup. But like, I'm only going to coach the the best team over the last 20 years or Real Madrid. Guess what? You've painted yourself into a corner, my man. And you're the only one painting yourself there. So I, I don't I don't feel bad for you. I'm sorry. This one thing you didn't, you wanted, you can't have. Poor Zidane Zidane. Go ahead, maybe headbutt him. I don't know. Clear your head. Get 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 something going here. But no sympathy from me is kind of how I feel. Yeah, and I think we can put France to bed there, Andrew. Um, we'll see how that all plays out. But if Deschamps keeps winning, then I don't know. Zidane will keep sitting on his hands. But we've got to get off of our hands as we sit down and we depart our plane here in Munich, Germany, Andrew. And we're here just quickly to congratulate Bayern Munich on their what feels like 72nd straight Bundesliga title as they resume here in a week. Um, They're clear at the top of the table again. It was interesting for a while. I know Union Berlin were up there for a while. They've fallen off. Uh, Dortmund haven't found their form necessarily. And it just feels like more of the same in Germany, Andrew. Yeah, like I, the thing to me is like, you know how you watch like, I, I the one I always think of is like the Rose Parade, right? For the Rose Bowl. And it always starts with like the 88th, you know, consecutive Rose Bowl Parade presented by whatever, right? That's how it feels when I look at the, uh, who's winning the German league. <laughs> it's like, yeah, welcome to the uh, 500th consecutive Bayern Munich Invitational. We'd like to thank you guys for coming. Um, thank you guys for all the players you've sold us over the years at absolutely cutthroat rates that aren't competitive with anyone else. And, uh, you know, thank you to Dortmund and Leipzig for trying. It's really cute. Uh, glad back every once in a while you guys try and put some stuff together. And I know I'm basically just absolutely crapping on an entire league here. That's has a proud history, but that proud history is just Bayern Munich. So, um, I don't know, man, I, they haven't even restarted playing yet, so it's hard to have a lot to talk about um, Talk about with them. But Jude Bellingham, 
as always, the English with the transfers. Where do you think he plays next year, buddy? <laughs> We're just going to turn our Germany talk into like, what English team is Jude Bellingham playing for? Is Gio Reyna going to be okay? Thank you, Germany. But um, yeah, <laughs> the Jude Bellingham is obviously a talking point, so we can just mull this over over a couple nice pints of fucking German beer right here. But yeah, um, obviously everybody wants him. I heard a rumor of Liverpool's literally willing to sign his brother and like his uncle or something. So he'll come there. So I don't know. We'll, we'll go over this in the summer a lot more. They're going to get like 200 million for him. And I hope it's from Manchester city, but we'll see. And I hope it's from Chelsea, but Holy cow. Would that be surprising? But if it's not, we both hope it's at real Madrid, I guess. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Option a, our teams, option B, real Madrid, option C, nothing. Stay at Dortmund, uh, go the Marco Royce route, you know, really build a legacy there, bud. If it's not my team, I can't watch you play uh, and be my be my nemesis every week because you are incredibly good at soccer. Yeah, and um, just outside of that in Germany, like we said, they haven't restarted play yet, so it's kind of hard to get a ton into it. I mentioned like Union were up there in the league lead for a while. There are seven points off. B- Munich are four points clear at the top of a Freiburg, actually, which is – a team we don't normally see up there, which is cool. Leipzig are uh, six points back. Then we got like Frankfurt, Dortmund, which is typically going to be your second powerhouse in that league. Um, they're a whole nine points off it. That said, I, I don't think they're going to make up that ground, but at least to get like in a Champions League spot, Sebastian Holler's back, Andrew, yeah. from his cancer, which is just uh, that's incredible. amazing. An incredible so- story. Um, he came back in there friendly the other day, he played the second half, which is just an awesome story more than anything, just as a human being. Um, you know, if the goals do come along with that and they, cause I, I believe I've heard a stat of they've scored one or fewer goals in like half their games this year. So if he can generate some goals with that and him and Bellingham can link up or something, that's amazing. That's awesome. Even more, it makes the story even greater, but just even if he, can only come back for a few games just on a human being standpoint just a really mm-hmm. fucking awesome story yeah and, and it's not like uh who's it anthony modesty and yusuf makoko um have done anything to really like cement their spot at the striker spot for dortmund so um to take all of the human the great human story out of it right it's not like they need somebody to step up and to play well there right he's gonna get time he's gonna get an opportunity and um just just a great story. A guy who seemed to work really hard, earned his move there. People were excited about it and got that news at the absolute worst time. But gl- love to hear that he's doing better and, and going to be playing football again. Yeah, I believe I, I did read something about this, but off the top of my head, he said he took something like only 19 days of the last six months like off as he was getting surgeries and chemotherapy and stuff. So he's, which is amazing. It's unbelievable stuff, but... It's to say that he's stayed or as much as he can stayed fit during this whole process. So um, maybe he hits the ground running kind of coming back. Dortmund's got more problems than that. They're a very weird team this year. Like, Yes. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me more than anything to them was that like meltdown game they had earlier this year where they were winning by like two goals late and they gave up three goals in the last like eight minutes of the game. And it was in madness and, they're just a weird team this year, but maybe that's something that can kind of galvanize the squad and 
make them make a little bit more of a run to at least shoot up the table a few spots. And I feel like that kind of chaos is like, to me, that's what German football is, is it's chaos. You throw it on late on a Saturday morning because you're like, is RB Legacy going to lose three to two to a team I've Gerther Firth, a team I've like never heard of. And, but it's similar to turning on an FA cup match by like the time you get the channel situated, it's like, actually it's four. Now it's four to three. There's been two goals in the time that you wanted to find the game and turn it on. Um, But usually like that kind of like silliness almost like for lack of a better term is in by is in Bayern's favor. It's in Dortmund's favor. And this year it's been just chaos. Um, as Bayern like kind of deal with life without Lewandowski and a couple other, you know, Sadio Mane has been hurt and that sort of thing. But the league has been so chaotic that like Dortmund's consistency has kind of been able to, to push them through. Right. And I, I think you just kind of referenced it there. It's maybe the most disappointing thing about the Bundesliga this year is it looked for a while, like it was going to be a lot of fun because Bayern had a tough start to the season and they were off it for a little bit. Oh yeah. And they, they had fallen off and you're like, Oh, maybe this is fine in the year where they don't just run away with this league basically. And then it felt like it had been maybe like three weeks of real time. And you're like, Oh, they're three points clear at the top again. What the fuck? Oh, happened? let me, let me check in on the, the Bundesliga. Let's see. Oh, and it's back to normal. Everything's the same again. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll intermittently check in on Germany a little bit more throughout the season, Andrew. But we've actually boarded our flight as we're talking here. Like I said, we just had a quick layover here in Germany because we're just catching our connecting flight. And we're on our descent right now into Milan, Andrew. Ooh into milan italy i've been to rome i've never been in milan this is my pop the cherry moment for milan for me but uh the football in rome is not so good as we talk about the Serie A. <laughs> so we're gonna be in milan today andrew um but actually the football in Serie A is the best in naples and napoli Ooh. just the uh, look I, I a team that really coming into this year we i think I don't think even as people that really pay a ton of attention to Serie A were like, oh, Napoli is just going to be as good as they are. They have been such a treat to watch. Like in the Champions League, they dismantled Liverpool that game. They ran away with their group, basically, with Liverpool in it. This has been a really fun team to watch. Yeah, it's it's kind of like they took over for – because I felt, I felt the way people feel about um, Napoli this year is kind of how I felt about like At- Atalanta last year, right? Oh, this fun championship team or, you know, Champions League team. Look at them putting on all this scoring and everything else. And Napoli just turned the clock back. Something about getting rid of a certain central defender that probably plays in London now has just really turned that team around. That's all I I mean, I know that's not really what happened, but that is how I feel at the moment. <laughs> But like, I think you can't talk about Napoli without talking about, holy shit, holy shit. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I believe you. Granit Shaev. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, the Georgian dude. Holy hell. It's, yeah, it's yeah. the craziest name ever. It's, it's so hard. Name. It's the hardest name ever to pronounce. Um, gotta, but but he's yeah. been so, so good for them. Um, just Kvaret. I'm looking at Kvaret. 
Kovicva. Man, this hasn't been as bad since our World Cup episode when I was trying to do Poland names. Kovicva Kvarechskaya. I don't know. If he uh, signs for $100 million at Manchester City, I'll learn it 100% and I'll just be knocking it out on here. I know he's been linked to like a crazy move, but he's just been so good for this team so far. He looks so he's, impressive when I watched him. Pronunciation aside, he's absolutely like kind of the attacking engine in this team. And he's what I, th- I want to say like 22, 21. Like he's, a, he's a young, yeah, he's a young player, kind of came out of nowhere, at least on the international scene. And it's just like, just absolutely makes this team go right and i i would say just with him he's name hard to pronounce but he's so easy to watch like so fun and easy to watch like you can just get lost in watching him play i watched a couple of their fixtures in the champions league i've kicked them on when i've seen they're on espn plus and playing somebody um they're fun to watch man um and they're one of the three Serie A teams that go through the final 16 in the Champions League along with uh, Inter and Milan, which is like, is Serie A back? Or is, are they back on the main <laughs> stage? Are they big players again? Um, They're definitely heading, looking that way. Um, I do think they need a, a Milan or an Inter title. I think that is how they get to kind of that recognition, right? Um, especially with like a foreign league, like whenever somebody quote unquote else wins the league, I always feels like it doesn't get you as much respect on the international stage. Maybe I'm wrong with that, but, um, they, they've been a lot of fun to watch this year, man. Just the entire league has been a lot of fun players. Um, and it's really weird not having Italy in the world cup, not to bring it back to such an obvious thing, but the whole, the whole league got like feels like a a year off right nobody was paying attention to them they they won the euros and that kind of thing and i feel like the whole thing's been on kind of holiday since then yeah that's a good point that probably maybe i don't know i i still don't know where i fall on the like form thing of some people it seems like the world cup helped them stay in form and some people that have had a break look bad but it'll be interesting kind of to see how where you have their domestic league where so many of the players will have had just a month and a half off to see kind of where they fall. But just uh, in Syria, it, it is fun to just see because I, I know for you and me both in our timelines, like it was just that Juventus dominance year after year after year after mm-hmm. year of winning the league. And it's been fun to see like the Milan teams and Inter come back into life. Napoli being at the top, like they're always in and around it, but they never seem to win the league. So I'm kind of rooting for them. They are seven points clear right now, um, but they have, they're going to have to bounce the Champions League run. Uh, Juventus is in second, is kind of bad. Surprise, as a season. Yeah, yeah, like it's the type of thing you look and you're like, uh, so all the news is so negative about Juventus that it's like, wow, like they're still in second place. They are seven points back, but we'll see what happens, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a league I'm definitely going to be keeping tabs on throughout the year because I, I do find it fun to watch. The, the thing I think is very interesting is like the league as a whole got a, got a month off. Right. Whereas like you have teams, like we were talking about it with, with your boys at city, right. They all pretty much were all playing for their country. They did like city did not get a month off. Right. You come back and you play, 
Bournemouth or you play somebody else where like maybe one or two of their guys went right for, and that's true, but it's a much lesser extent because there was no Italy in the world cup, right. Which is going to be most, I feel like Italy is one of the most domestic driven leagues, right? Like I always, I always just think of like Italian players in Italy, which is a dumb thing to say, but um, I think, I think we're set up for a fun second half here, man. 100% 100% Andrew I totally agree with you but um we got a flight to catch man so I need you to scarf down the rest of that pasta oh, hey, there hold on hold on one second buddy I will be I will be right back give me a second oh okay little bathroom break real quick for Andrew so we'll uh sit here I gotta scarf down this little pizza pie right here and this glass of wine but wait a minute oh my god you guys you're not gonna believe this I'm at this cafe right now and you're never going to believe who sat next to me is it's Fabrizio Romano Fabrizio. How are you, man? Very well. Very well. I'm de- it's, this is amazing. We're actually live Fabrizio on a podcast right now. We're recording a soccer podcast and we're huge fans. Um, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about some transfers really quick while I got you right here? Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I, I appreciate that, man. That's so amazing. Um, I know the listeners are going to love this. This is amazing. Um, we're uh, we're big Premier League guys, so I guess I got to ask you about the the big elephant literally in the room right now. Voot Veghorst is he is he on the way to Manchester United for Brizio? Voot Veghorst, ah, uh, completely done deal. Here we go, Manchester United going to start on the weekend. Oh my! So Voot just on the way to United? That's man, I'm not gonna lie, that's conflicting for me. I've like raised a fan club for him. I'm a Manchester city supporter. So I don't know. That's just, you're putting my mind in a pretzel here, fab. But I guess the other thing I have to ask about, as I said, I'm a city supporter. So I'm worried about Arsenal and is Mudrick going to end up there. Like, is this going to happen fab at this time? No agreement has been reached between the two sides. 70 mil offer official to, to the club from Arsenal. Nothing agreed yet. Nothing agreed yet. Oh, nothing agreed. Well, that's so you're telling me there's a chance that Todd Bowley can at least swoop in and just pay like 90 million and he might go there instead. Uh, it, it is possible they come with a higher offer. Mudrich wants Arsenal. Instagram message today he wants Arsenal. I, I know it seems like he really wants Arsenal too, and I, I hate it, but we're going to hope Todd comes in. My speaking of Chelsea, um, I, I can't believe he's not here. I hope he comes back before you have to run, but. Uh, my friend who I host this podcast with, Andrew, he is a massive Chelsea supporter, and they're obviously having a tough go of it right now. Um, Mudrick would help, but also Enzo Fernandez. There's been so many rumors about Enzo to Chelsea. Is that going to happen, or is that one dead, Fab? At this time, unless $127 million is offered, there is no way. It is impossible. Impossible. Man. release clause would Chelsea have to pay to Benfica? Otherwise, no deal. That's just, oh man, that's that's terrible. But, oh no, Andrew, I, I don't have to tell him, I guess, because he's still not here. And it looks like, I don't want to keep you too long, Fab. I'm sure you're here very I, busy. Oh, here I go. Uh, oh, I, well, thank you, Fab. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And that's just, man, you guys, that's so tough for Andrew that he just has the worst time ever to have to drain the main vein here but here he actually comes andrew you're not gonna believe hey, it back. you've 
What's up, you buddy? missed you missed Fab. He was right here. Ooh. He was getting a nice Fab Fabrizio Romano. He was getting a nice oh, cup that of guy. No. Yeah, torturing me with Chelsea take. No, well, well, he no, told us. No he way. told no he told us that you guys might pay. I, I can't believe the number he said, but I think it was something like seven hundred million for Mudrik to steal him from Arsenal. And he said, uh, "I there can't is believe no- he was that hard to misunderstand." That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and something about uh, you guys have to pay the release clause and can't be snaky about getting Enzo and Benfica's mad at you well, guys. Yeah. But well, I, it's I okay. can't believe you missed him. I'm, I'm mad at him. Maybe I got to go back to England talk to my boy Ornstein. He's the only guy who knows what's really going on. Man, I, I guess you're just. You're I can't believe you got to talk to him. That sounds incredible. It was, oh, it was amazing. It was an out of body experience for me. For those uh, of you was, who don't know, as this was. Uh, very well introed here as Fabrizio apparently was just running by the transfer guru. Apparently just Spencer just got an exclusive, uh, exclusive interview. Well, he, he was a very busy man. He had his, he was on a cell phone the entire time, but he was grabbing a nice cup of coffee here in Milan before he had to jet. I'm sure he's off to some weird Turkish club or something to find out details about something, but it was so nice of him to give us a minute, man. And that was just, Oh, what well, talk about just crazy celebrity sightings. That's a we're we're a real journalistic fucking podcast now, man. We got Fabrizio on as a guest. It was just sensational. <laughs> yeah, man. Um I'm I'm glad we it's great for the podcast that we got him. I, I I don't know if we'll ever get him again at this point. That probably not a repeat guest. Who knows? We'll see. Oh, we'll see. I hope I hope we run into him again, but um like I said, he's probably going to fly out to somewhere, and we've uh, actually, as we talked here, uh, as I've explained to Andrew, yeah, we were, we were boarding our flight, and we're actually on our descent now to Lisbon because we're connecting really quick to Spain, but we have a quick, quick layover here in Lisbon, and we got to mention Roberto Martinez, yeah. Portuguese manager now. Um I, I've got thoughts on this, but let's let's throw it to you, Andrew. What did you think about this when you saw it? Yeah, I don't know if it's quite a golden generation for him to just ruin. Like, I don't know if it's quite the same level as the Belgian job. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe it'll be hard for him to completely, like, you know, dismantle, uh, you know, Jao Felix and Bruno Fernandez and Rafael Liao and all these next level guys. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how he takes these puzzle pieces and then just completely separates them and puts them on other ends of the board. I'm very excited for the triangle uh, defense though. That'll be great. The Christmas tree formation. I'm assuming that's the only thing he wants to run. Well, I'll (laughs) I'll say I'm going to be a little more optimistic about this than you, because at first I thought a lot like you just kind of mentioned. And I was like, man, which which is some joke. I I do think he's a good manager. Right. But I, I think at first, Look, I think the the stink on Belgium is so bad after what they just did a month ago um, that that's hard to get by. But I put on a gas mask really quick and I started to think about it a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, what did he do at Belgium, right? Just more immediately. He didn't get to the final at the Euros, but they lost to Italy. What did Italy do? They won the tournament. He loses in the semifinals in 2018 to France. What did France do? They won the tournament. So we said it in our World Cup preview pod of like Belgium's been so unlucky that they just keep getting these teams that win the tournament. Now that said, <laughs> everybody not get that. Most people play somebody who wins the tournament or loses to somebody else who wins the tournament. 
That that is but, how most tournaments are. Just just to make sure we're we're covering this. I know as well, a city but, fan, you're not great at tournament football sometimes. Oh so. come on, man! No no low blow is necessary. But no, they've they've gotten far I've in most them. their tournaments. They've gotten far in most of their tournaments, and we've kind of referenced it on our World Cup pod. Like I said, they were they've been unlucky. You can't give them that excuse. Like granted, um, Morocco and Croatia both went on amazing runs at this last tournament, but that still I don't think gives them a pass of not getting out of that group. But I think that when you kind of shovel some of the shit away of this last tournament, I think that Roberto Martinez could do some really good things with this Portuguese team. I don't think, like you said, the golden generation isn't to the level of what Belgium's was, but this is is a very good team. You hope that they'll play a little more progressive football under Martinez as they did (laughs) under uh, their... Wow, manager. Holy hell, we just talked about him. The guy that got fired, Santos. Ben Ronaldo. Santos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy that we talked about had a massive wheelbarrow. Yep. Yeah, Fernando Santos, because we said he had a wheelbarrow with his balls and it going around Doha <laughs> because of Ronaldo. There we go. Fernando Santos, but like, despite the size of his balls, he was pretty negative at times. So I hope that they play a little more flowing, fun to watch football because Portugal has really good players and they. They, they, their they team, do. we think that she's so good all the time, but I think this could work for Portugal. I think this could be a good appointment, but I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to die on either hill. I, I do, I do think it's a good. Like <clears throat> Portugal got a good international manager, right, with a good reputation, who's dealt with star players before. Um, those are things I think matter, right? Um, however, it is fun for me to just look at the roster and try to fit people into the same roles that they would have had playing for him in Belgium. It's just like, do they have like a really good, like creative attacking midfielder who's really good? Oh, they have KDB and now who's going to have Bruno Fernandes. Oh, are they going to have a player who's like maybe better than KDB and really rely? Oh, they do. It's, it's Bernardo Silva. Are they going to have like an aging star who they're not sure if he should play all the time? And maybe it's better if he's in the team or out. Oh, they don't have Eden Hazard, but you know, I'm not ruling out Cristiano Ronaldo's ghost just lurking around this team for years. Like, come on. We all know that's going to happen. Um, and uh, I think the Thomas Mounier, um, Jao Cancelo parallel is very funny. If you uh, want to think of a guy who's, um, I think, very good, but I don't know what he's going to do in this team. Yeah, and then. You know, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Last thing before we get out of Portugal is that, uh, look, we we shouted out Syria for having three teams through. Uh, yeah, two. Portugal's got two. Porto and Benfica both through to the last 16, which is crazy. Um, if you would have told me that before that two Portuguese teams would get through, I'd, I'd call you crazy. If like when the competition started and like Benfica played Bruges, so that's something you probably said they're favored in that. Right. Yep. Porto, little tougher with Inter. Um, we'll see how that plays out, but like they have a good chance of getting one team, maybe even two, to the last eight yeah. of this competition. So it's, it's not the well worst Portugal. year. It's not the worst year to play Inter Milan. Yeah, right? like there are there are years that that lineup of like Lukaku and those guys are scarier, and this year it is not as scary. They're still a good team, but um, we just talked about them having a good year. But at the same time, it's just like it's not a it's not a firepower problem, right? A lot of times when one of these teams or two of these teams get through to the next round, you look at it and you go, well, how are they going to compete with the attack of whatever team? 
I don't feel that way about either one of these teams going into their next matchup. For sure. And Benfica, that just they they also sold Darren Nunes for a hundred million and they're And they still... could have eighty million if they would stop being so silly about things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Enzo, Enzo. But we've actually, Andrew, re, reboarded our plane and we're, we're flying in. This is our last stop on this backpacking journey, man. It's been so fun getting across Europe great. really quick. It's been yeah. amazing. We've seen so many great sights. And look, we, we've been more touristy, like like big sights and stuff, big cities. But let's uh let's finish it off on the beach, Andrew, because we're okay. landing now in Barcelona, Andrew. Barcelona, Spain, one of your favorite cities after last summer. <laughs> a, a lot of very close friends of mine that I've never met in England have actually just moved to Barcelona. So I got some places we can stay. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, that's great. But um, let's let's pick it up with the the soccer team here. Um, I believe, perhaps you've heard of them. Barcelona, the soccer team. Um, pretty good, usually. FC Barcelona. Yes. FC oh, Barcelona. wait, hold on. The Spotify team? Yes, the, the team that plays the team that plays at the Spotify Camp New bought to you by Justin Bieber's new album. Um, I heard they're getting the dangerous. I heard they're getting that new uh, Jimmy John's Russell Wilson sandwich. It's going to be crazy. They got <laughs> they got to pay for some of these transfers somehow, Andrew. But hey, uh, we we look. We've joked about Barcelona a lot in the past, but look, they're top of La Liga right now. They're they're top of the table, three points clear. Real Madrid. They beat Atletico Madrid over the weekend, and yeah, three points clear of Real. Obviously, the the elephant in the room is that they did not get out of their group in the Champions League, and for as much money economic as they spent, levers falling as we speak. Oh, they're potentially an economic freefall. Um, well, let's just kick it off there. Hey, okay, so let's just be hypothetical, real quick. If they were to go on and win the league. Mm-hmm. is that enough? Like we're not Barcelona supporters. So I guess this is kind of hard. Maybe we should pull some people aside on the street and ask them or something. But um, is that enough after what? Do you need like, me to go to the bathroom people? again? I can do it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, you know, there's. Barcelona. Uh, I just can't speak Catalonian and I wouldn't want to. Well, yeah. See, the problem the problem here is that actually, I I tried to as you were just talking there, talk to a man, and um, my Spanish is no good. I, I asked him how he what were his thoughts on Barcelona. He said something to me in Spanish. I'm very confused. He's looking at me still. I'd yeah, like. I'm, for him I'm to worried walk if away. we repeat it, it'll be very offensive. I, I'd like for him to walk away. And there, there he goes. Okay, so so I think I'm just gonna have to ask you here, Andrew. Is just is that enough for Barcelona? Like, if they would win the league and they got. Basically, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade here. It was was a tougher group, but it'd be embarrassing. It was kind of embarrassing what happened to them in the Champions League after all the money they spent. Is is that enough if they win the league? Coincidentally, that's a big if. Coincidentally, like half the players they bought are now also available. Um, If you want Rafinha, you can buy him right now. If you, you know, want Ansu Fadi, I saw that he was available. Um, And there's someone else too, but like, I think you can kind of make the play of like, okay, if they win the league, the good thing for Barcelona, and it works with Real Madrid too, of having a an equal, right? Somebody you can look across the table and say, as long as we beat them, we had a good season, right? Um, so like if as long as – if Barcelona win the league, right, as long as Real Madrid don't win 
the Champions League, which easier said than done to not have Real Madrid win the Champions League, as we both know, unfortunately. Um, I think you can call it a win and a rebuild for Barcelona. Right, like when you're one of the only two, and I'm I'm not discounting Atletico, but you know when they win, when Atletico wins the league or challenges, right? It's an oddity when Real Madrid or Barcelona do it. That's what's supposed to happen, right? Um, I I just think that there are ways for Barcelona to mitigate this and sell on players, right? That they got on a discount rate, and now they'll sell them for sixty million. I think it was like Rafinha has another shot at like going to Arsenal or something like that. And I was like, if Arsenal pays $60 million for Rafinha, it's basically just doing a favor for Barcelona who rented him for three months. And I was like, you know what? Turns out we've got all this young attacking talent. We're good. We don't need your aging player here. But um, I, I think that's the road to Barcelona being able to like look themselves in the eye and be like, good season. Next season, we're winning the whole thing. So I think, financially it might still yet cause problems for them, but I don't know. They might have fucking seven more levers somewhere to pull. Oh, huge, huge economic issues. I was just, I mean, that thing is messed up. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, economically there might be issues with the champions league thing. Um, I do think if I'm a supporter of Barcelona, that's if they were to go on and win the league, the timing wise that, by May, the stink will be off of the Champions League enough that you would really enjoy the league and you'd be really happy about that. Like, it's not like they just lost it or something. You know what I mean? Like, the stink's been gone for six, seven, eight months at that point. But um, I think from abroad, like, I don't know. I, I, it'd be a really weird thing to look at because it's like, it's not like they even got to the knockout rounds and they we kind of mentioned it with PSG earlier and it's like, Oh, if PSG loses to Bayern, it's not a great look for them, but fuck you. They, they lost to Bayern or vice versa. If that happens, if Bayern loses to PSG, you're like, man, well, you lost to one of the favorites in the competition. Like, it's not even mm-hmm. going to be a thing like that. It's yeah, it's, it's really, it, it is a, like I said, it was a tougher group with Bayern and Milan in their group, inter Milan, sorry, not, not a uh, Milan inter in their group, but like, that's still kind of a, horrific failure by them to not get out of there with how much money they spent in the off season. Yeah. Well, even just like for Bart, you're, you're Barcelona. If if you had spent no money, there's been years where Barcelona, like don't have to spend any money on talent because they have all the talent and they're bringing people through La Masia. Like it's a results based thing. I think right now is like the most socially acceptable time to drop out of the champions league, even though it's like financially, it's the most important time for you to ever win the Champions League, right? Because that's what they need. But especially abroad, right? As somebody who's not in Spain every day going through the ups and downs of it, I think it's easier to mitigate like, okay, yeah, well, they've got a lot going on. So for them to still win the league with all this going on is is good, is impressive. I think it's a it's almost necessary. Like it's it's almost to, for them to even salvage this season, they probably have to win the league, but mm-hmm. um Real Madrid's going to be pushing them the entire way. And let's uh, kind of get into that, I guess. I guess one more thing Barcelona could win is the Supercopa, and they are in the final of that yeah. against Real Madrid. Um, so that'll be fun. Just an extra El Clasico this season. We never have a problem with that. But let's talk about Real Madrid a little bit. They obviously three points back. Um, 
look, I, you can't count them out of this league race whatsoever by any means. They are, um, uh, as we affectionately call them on this podcast, uh, they are daddy. <laughs> and look, I'm just terrified that we somehow draw them in the Champions League sooner than later. If uh, we see them, I'd like for it to maybe sooner than later be better for City because then, you know, or Chelsea, because you don't even get the hope. Like I said, I've just resolved like myself to not winning it. So maybe if we just get eliminated in the quarterfinals, it'd be better. But um, well, considering the only way Chelsea is probably making the Champions League next year is to win it this year, I actually have to hope that you guys see them long before we do. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But um, yeah, what, what do you think about Real Madrid? Obviously, every time I see him play, I think they're so, so good. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, I have trouble critiquing a team that's just caused me so much heartbreak. <laughs> Yeah, not much different from me. Um, The way I talk about, like, kind of dismissively about, like, Manchester City problems is, like, how I actually feel about when Real Madrid has problems. It's like, you guys with all the good players and everything's fine and dandy and, like, whatever drama you have is self-appointed, if anything, right? I I don't ever believe in external factors for Real Madrid, right? Because... If you're going to play them in the Champions League, you're going to have to go to the Bernabeu, right? You're going to have to show up there and be better than them at least once. And uh, we can ask Chelsea last season how that goes. Um, or City. <laughs> like, well, I know. I'm just using the one that, that hurts the most for me. But they, or PSG. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like, but and literally anybody last season. It's like heartbreakers. You have to like you have to show up and be better than them at their house. And I do think it's like one of the last places in sports that has that like I've talked about it before, but like that old Yankee Stadium mystique, right? When Boston couldn't win, they were calling it the House of Pain and that kind of thing. I'm talking about American baseball, right? But that is kind of how I feel like I do I don't like when my team has to go and play there. Right. Like generally, I think like home field advantages is great and it's a real thing, but it's I think it's like overvalued. Right. I don't ever think any team has can like walk in there feeling good about what's going to happen. So as long as they have that, I am going to give it to the team from Madrid. here. Yeah. And honestly, I think to put that to bed a little bit, I, I think it's just going to be really fun to keep up with this race because. I think whenever you've got a La Liga season that's coming down to the wire with Barcelona and Real Madrid, we could be in for a really fun second half, I guess. A couple other things just in La Liga before we board our plane to head back to the U.S. of A, Andrew. Sociedad up near the top, Batiste, a couple different teams up there. That's kind of fun. Um, Atletico, a little bit of an uneven season, but they're kind of in the mix, at least for Champions League and stuff, they are in the mix. Yeah, um, they they just teamed up Felix. So right, yeah, and he's just you know doing really? completely Atletico Madrid tackles in his first game at Chelsea. I, I was worried actually that the Chelsea stank had already rubbed off on him. Thirty hours is all you need, and you completely uh, forget. How oh no, no, there. red card, red card. That's totally he learned that at Atletico from um, somebody so, yeah, there yeah. because they are yeah they are just uh, horrifyingly physical. Like, and that actually is really funny that like. All the talk about like why he wanted this loan, um, not to make it a Chelsea thing because this is about Atletico, right? But it's like Simeone and this like 
this play style and it's not conducive to creative. And the first thing he does is show something up super athletic over Madrid <laughs> with somebody in England and uh, get sent off. It's like you can take the Atletico out of the kid or you can take the kid out of Atletico, but you can't take the Atletico out of the kid. Charles I like to think Simeone. I like to think that he like made that tackle and he's like, I thought you said this league was fucking harder that like they were more physical in this league. And he's like, I two foot people every weekend in La Liga, yeah, but no, like, honestly, I, isn't- I miscontrolled the ball. I better two foot someone before I can get yanked. That's how this game, that's how soccer is. Isn't his whole thing, at least when I like, said he played Atletico last year in the Champions League, and like Felix's thing is like he seemed like he didn't fit with that team because he's like this creative playmaker and yeah. he's not throwing himself into tackles and stuff. And then um, you, you think for Atletico, he's like that. And first game outside of Atletico, you're like, oh, no, he definitely played for Atletico before he came here. He doesn't know any other way. He's just like, well, if I lost the ball, I'm getting yanked and I'm going to get screamed at. So I might as well earn it with a red card. It's like, no, Jow, we would have been fine, buddy. Nobody was even mad you lost the ball. He's like, I wouldn't have got food for a week. It would have been a horrible situation. It's like, oh. Now it said they're singing my name in the streets. But uh, the last thing before we get out of Spain as we board our flight here, Andrew, we got to talk about a team normally right up there in the mix in La Liga, Sevilla. They're 17th. 17th. On fifth, not only just seventeenth, they're seventeenth on fifteen points. The only reason they're not in a relegation spot is because they have a better goal difference than Cadiz. They're equal on points. Well, like, do you know? You know who this feels like to me? Is West Ham? This feels West Hammy. Where you look yeah. at it and you go, "What are you guys? What are you doing down there? Get out of there, man!" I don't understand. I look at your team. I look at your roster. I don't know how you're doing so poorly, but they are doing so poorly. Like it's unbelievable. Like I, when I looked at that earlier today, I, I honestly refreshed it. You know what I mean? Like I looked at it on ESPN.com and I was like, that's not, I had to reload that. It can't sure be right. Enough. Sure enough, man. Then I had to look up the roster and make sure I wasn't getting my Spanish teams mixed up. Cause that does happen sometimes. Like, you know, I know the differences between like Valencia and Sociedad, but I got to make sure I know my differences, right? I got to look it up. I got to double check, make sure I don't misspeak here. Yeah. To, and to be fair to Sevilla, like they had that horrifying, horrifying start to the year that was pretty well documented um, where they just, they couldn't do anything and they were just leaking goals and they were seeing yeah. destroyed. They've been, I, I don't want to say better, but they've like, they won their first game out of the break. They had a draw with like Celta Vigo kind of leading into it. They drew Batiste, who we just said were like up near the top of the table. So they've been a little better of late. So maybe it's just they're still really down there because of that start and how horrifying it was. But this is a team that's this is a team that's like a lock for the Champions League most years, I feel like. And that yeah. they're they're normally a lock for the Champions League and a lock to get eliminated in the group stage and go to the Europa League final. So I'm gonna um, have to start watching them to feel better about Chelsea. And I don't want to do that. It's not a good they might be time, but they, they, they might be one of the only crises in Europe to the Chelsea standards. So yeah, that might be a great coping mechanism for we you. We even do crises bigger than other teams. Chelsea's so good, man. I'm just going to talk myself back. I'm going to spend the rest of this podcast just talking myself back into Chelsea like I'm not having a horrible time. Yeah, well, that, however however you got to spin it to uh Speaking of horrible times, 
We got to fly back in time for the USA January camp here, coached by Spencer. Name that coach. <laughs> What's the guy's name? I've already forgotten his name. I know. I couldn't tell you any <laughs> name in the world. And I was like, as long as he doesn't say Greg Berhalter, I'm not going <laughs> to but wow, man, bring us in with the more, you know, USA stuff here. But holy cow, we got, of course, as always, more to talk about with the American national team. Yeah, as we um, depart our plane back here on U.S. soil, Andrew. Um, yeah, he's, it's, uh, it's, it's weird times as U.S. fans, man, because there's just, we... We talked about it last pod. We've been away for what seven and eight, nine days now. So we we thought about coming back for like an emergency pod because the day, well, not even a day, like seven hours after we dropped our episode, it was like, oh, by the way, the person blackmailing Greg Bearhalter, it's Claudio Reyna and his family. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, when they took the Scooby Doo mask off and it was Old Man Willikers, but Old Man Willikers was was Claudio Reyna. I was shocked, but I also at the same time was like, I don't know what we have could possibly add to this, like that other people aren't already saying. It, it, it was the type of thing where it happened, and I was like, as soon, like, I never connected the dots before that, but then as soon as I connected the dots, like, as soon as the dots were connected for me, I should say, and they said it was like the Reina family, I was like, oh my God, that makes all the sense in the world. How did we not figure this out? Like, how did we not come to this conclusion of even speculating it? Um, but well, uh, unlike, it's just, it's, you know how you know why we couldn't figure this out because unlike a lot of people apparently working and gainfully employed with U.S. soccer, we were distracted by this stupid big soccer tournament. We had bigger, we had literal bigger fish to fry. Like we're like, oh man, this thing is incredible and crazy. What if we worry about it most mostly after the tournament? We'll talk about it, but who did it go up to another level, man? <laughs> Oh man, it was uh, crazy. And I, I have gone back in time to look, and this is the thing, right? It is Anthony Hudson that is taking charge of this camp. And the reason that, look, it's already a inconspicuous type name that I would easily forget, but it's like it was, it's a January camp name, right? This is, this is, we're fine calling him up to coach the national team during, during the Paul Areola glory days here at the January camp. Right, but like even then, I'd never heard of the guy really at all. Um, right. He did coach in MLS and stuff. I like I had to like look him up on Wikipedia to even figure that out. But um, I'm not the most locked into MLS, as I said. I'm going to lock in now, but um, I haven't been in the past. But it also in the time of me Wikipediaing Anthony Hudson of him being announced at the January camp, that was like in that time. Seven minutes after they said, oh, Anthony Hudson. And then it's like, oh, by the way, the Reina family thing. I don't know if the U.S. <laughs> soccer was like, oh, maybe if this all comes out at the same time, people will be more excited about Anthony Hudson. But if that was the strategy, it did not work because fuck Anthony Hudson. I don't give a shit because this Reina thing was just an absolute. <sighs> oh, what a bomb, dude. It's just, oh, just an absolute shit storm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Or like we said, we're like a week removed from it now, so thoughts gathered i'm just like i don't know i just want this all to go away i just want greg bearhalter to please go away because this has just gotten even if you which I, like we've said before i don't think most people do rate him anymore but even if you did rate him i'm just like man um i i think we just gotta shake things up because this has gotten so so messy i think in general u.s soccer like the soccer federation needs a big shake up of 
I had a long thread about Ernie Stewart and like Brian McBride of, I, I don't even think these guys have done necessarily a bad job, but I don't know. You can't be breeding a situation where you're buddy, buddy with players, parents, and they're like coming to you to blackmail the coach and shit. Like there's just, it's, it's too, there's too many conflicts of interest at us soccer right now. I'm of the opinion of you just need to fucking nuke the thing, bring in just weird German people or something. I don't fucking care. People that don't have connections to anybody. And this thing just, it can't be this fucking, it it can't be a family reunion when U.S. soccer has a meeting to discuss the future of the sport or the direction of the national team. It, It shouldn't be a fucking family reunion where you're just uncle, uncle whoever is uncle brian is talking to your mom about your playing time on the national team or whatever man it's just it's so fucking messy it's obnoxious i hate it it's embarrassing it's a black eye on u.s soccer and i don't frankly want to talk about it anymore yeah as as much as we love talking about like soccer and the u.s national team it's been so draining with all this stuff man and like you know, it's crazy that like this nepotism story is less impressive than Bob Bradley being the coach and making his son, Michael Bradley, the captain. Like, you know, and, and like, I think Michael Bradley earned that, right? But like, we have a long tradition of nepotism here, apparently. And it's just, I don't, I don't know how they break it because everyone within the organization is that, Right. Yeah. And I think it's a really complex thing. And I, I, like I said, I don't have a, it's, it's a big issue. I I don't have a easy answer for it, but you got to start to outsource or bring just new people that aren't connected to everything. I know that it's a small knit community and stuff, but you got to try to bring some new people into it just to, just eliminate some of these conflicts of interest. Cause it's just, to me, you, you, this is like you just referenced. It's a great example of like, I don't necessarily disagree with you that Michael Bradley might've earned it, but like, should a player's dad be the coach? Like a player that was maybe our best player at that point. Should his dad be the coach in the first place? Like that's, and uh, like, look, I don't think say what you want about Bob Bradley, but at the time, maybe he was the best manager for the job. I I have issues with how he did things and stuff. Well, the first first run, I think he was a very good coach for. Right. Um, I I just mean to honestly bring that up as like, you know, we've had the, and and sometimes, you know, the coach's son is the best player, right? We've all been on teams where that's the case, but to have it be this like criminal, like, you know, here's like an actual accusation. Like here's a 30 year friendship down the drain over kids playing time is like, I I think we've all probably seen the tweet, but where they're talking about like, if this isn't the biggest, you know, show of what's wrong with like kind of American sports is that at the national team level for soccer, right. We're having a kid's parents like try to mess with the coach over pay for play time. It's just like, it's embarrassing, man. We we it's love this. We do this because we love this, right? I would love to be talking about who I think is going to get called up to the January roster right now. I would love to pretend to have a hot take about somebody who plays for like the San Francisco Earthquakes 21-year-old striker and if he can really play in the national team level. But no, we have to talk about this like kid stuff, 
right? Like we have to talk about this like horrible management continuing to go on. It's embarrassing. Yeah, and it's just it's it's drama. It's I I don't know if you're U.S. soccer. I just think you're to the point of look. We had this whole shit storm of not qualifying for the last World Cup and obviously that's a terrible story of on the pitch and stuff, but like we've hit reset. And like I said to like Brian McBride and Ernie Stewart, um, the director of the men's national team and like the uh, general manager, Mm. I I think they've done a good job at helping to kind of reestablish this team and get to the world cup and build positive momentum and stuff. But I think that we might be to a level of now we have the talent. We're, you know, a well-established team. We don't have to even worry about qualifying going to this next world cup. We need this team to not have all this outside noise. Like they're just, there can't be a scenario to me. That's the biggest thing to me in the, in the end of this is that you can't have a scenario where, these people that are in high ranking positions at us soccer are like buddy, buddy with these players, parents, this is a professional level. Like this isn't even like you're at a, an AAU tournament or something. And your dad's really good friends with the coach. And he's asking if you can get more playing time, like at the bar after a game, this is professional level soccer. This is, this this is, is I'm threatening you. If you don't play my son more, that's what yeah. happened. If yeah, you and- don't, that's, that's, that's a crime. You, you just can't do that, regardless of friendship. You can't just threaten someone with like, hey, I'll, I might, if you don't play my kid more, I might ruin your marriage. I love soccer drama. I love it when Paul Pogba needs a witch doctor and hasn't played in eight months, right? Like, that is fun to me. We love that. This is poorly run organization continuing to be poorly run by people who like you know like we talk about like we can't even feel bad for greg because he was hired by his brother right like i don't know that you would feel bad for greg but it's to me it's not even on the table because it's like you're a nepotism hire like oh so now that the system isn't benefiting you like i'm supposed to feel bad i don't know man like the whole thing the whole thing sucks the whole thing's not fun and like we talked like i said to england earlier Soccer should be fun. This is a sport. And it's not fun. Yeah. It's uh it's not fun. It's a lot to keep up with. And it's like I don't know. I just I don't feel good about anybody coming out of this like from any side as yeah. far as the Bear Halter Reina thing yeah. cuz like Bear Halter, I think he made a mistake in how he used Geo, but I felt bad for him for getting blackmailed, but then I'm also like just Greg, like you don't need to keep doing interviews. Like this it's very noisy right now. Maybe just shut the fuck up. Like Geo is kind of just shut the fuck up and just keep playing. Well, cuz he has a thing he can do. He can go play. Right? right. Starting next weekend, he can go and play. Greg can't do anything but sit there and talk about this. But I understand, but I mean, maybe just let the heat just kind of go down. Like the day after all this is leaking, you don't need to go and do a LinkedIn presentation online. Like <laughs> just maybe let the heat like settle down a little bit. I just am like, Greg, just, and they didn't get into it a ton on there. They talked about it a little bit, but I'm just, maybe just let things settle down. Like just let them simmer for a minute. But Maybe another day, Greg, maybe, maybe you don't need to leave the group presentation today. Yeah, Does that sound good? Sense. Like... This fucking U.S. soccer, man. There's no boring days supporting this fucking country soccer team, I swear to God. But 
Ugh. I don't know, man. I I'm exhausted of all that, and um, honestly, after this long backpacking trip and all these sites we've seen, I'm exhausted from all that too, man. Uh, my I've, I've returned home now. My my bed just sounds really nice right about now. How about you, man? Sounds great, man. It sounds so good after sleeping in hostels for. How long have we gone? Three months? Four months? I don't know. All I can say is that whatever it is, it feels like a lot longer in Chelsea years, I'm sure, for you. Ooh, so, All right. <laughs> Mr. Lav- Mr. Romeo Lavia left for nothing in Boston, midfield, <laughs> which is, you know, another guy Chelsea tried to buy and couldn't buy. So even a, even a dig on Spencer is a uh, another dig on Chelsea. Hey, I, I understand. Well, you're you're vulnerable right now. You got to lash out a little bit. I get it. We're all good here, man. I'll uh, I'll be your punching bag a little bit for your lobby. Thank God we have U.S. Soccer January camp to look forward to. A real oh, pick me up, boy. real inspiring situation. Um, I can't wait to see I, Brandon Vasquez just get rid of all my problems. If there's anyone I think less of in U.S. Soccer than everyone involved, it's Brandon Vasquez. Guy's not a striker good enough for the national team. Um, I did want to kind of ask you. Okay, but I mean that's a joke. But at the same time, Brandon Vasquez. Every time the MLS contingent wants to throw him on a spreadsheet, saying like, "Who's going to be the U.S. number nine? Is it this guy scoring all the goals? These three guys playing in Europe, or Brandon Vasquez?" I just want to be like, "Hey guys, I know he plays in the MLS. Please stop pretending Brandon Vasquez <laughs> is like a good soccer player. Like I beg of you, it's really embarrassing to keep throwing him on graphics like." If Greg would just call up Brandon Vasquez, all our problems would be solved. It's like, I don't know. That, that guy grinds my gears. I'd rather, I'd rather, think, let, I'd rather end the episode me ranting about Brandon Vasquez not being good enough than, you know, some other scandal or horrible U.S. soccer thing. So, sorry, that's just where I needed to take it for my own apparently mental health. Fair enough, man. But um, yeah, I think otherwise, uh, let's. Let's uh have a long day of travel. Let's just get out of here, man. Um, real quick, we really appreciate you guys going along on this journey with us. Like, obviously, what other podcasts are bringing you Fabrizio Romano live? So, like, give us a follow. Give, give us, us a, a like. Give us a review. Say, hey, like, five stars. That's awesome. You guys got fab on the pod. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> it's happen- happenstance. He didn't agree to come on here on his own accord, but... You know, you run into him in his coffee shop in Milan sometimes. So, exactly. especially with such good audio quality from such great audio quality. Um, I'm just so, so mad I was in the bathroom during all that. That's crazy. yeah, real unfortunate for you. But um, hey, like you know, just drop a nice little review. Tell your friends. Say, hey, Fab was on this podcast. It was great. Uh, you and when, and when they say it. who, you say you got, you should really start paying attention to soccer because not only do we need you to bring people to our podcast, we just need you to get people into soccer still growing here in America. We've got a lot of drama and not a lot of productivity to, uh, to, to hype people up. hundred percent, man. But yeah, like for real, uh, on a serious note, guys, like, yeah, anything you can do following us on Twitter at fish fries pod, following the pod, subscribing, liking review rating, all that really, really helps us out. Um, helps us maybe next time that we, do this uh, European backpacking trip. We won't have to fly economy all the time. We can maybe just rent out the PJ with some sweet, sweet podcast money, <laughs> anything like that. But anything you guys can do like that to help, it would really be awesome. Yeah, we had to share a bed for most of this trip because we could yeah. only afford one hotel room. So 
baby steps before the private jet. Yeah, hey, I'd, I'd love instead of the hostels, even if we can get up to like a Motel 6 or something or whatever the equivalent is over in Europe, that would be great. But um, eh, whatever we can do, whatever you guys can do, that would be awesome. It really does help us out, seriously. Like Chelsea, I'll take a Motel 6. I'll take an 8. I just need help in the midfield, man. I'm not here to be picky. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough, Andrew. But um, let's get out of here. I'm, I'm trying to get in here before my wife notices I'm gone. I went to Europe without her, and I just get yelled at. Yeah, she's going to be pissed. Yeah. She's, my, my wife that's literally from Europe might be upset, but um, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, but let's. I'm gonna sneak back inside here real quick, and uh, we'll put this. I'll put myself to bed. But let's put this podcast to bed first, man. So, been real fun traveling with you, my friend. And uh, we should do this again sometime. But we'll reconvene next week uh, as we watch these games from six thousand miles away or whatever. Um, we did pick a horrible games. time to go. We went basically during the international break, and there was no games. It was. We really <laughs> should have planned better. Should have seen some games. Hey, but we got to see so much because of that. So we didn't have to get bogged down anywhere for too long. We got bogged down at Stanford Bridge for a while as you ranted at that pub. But uh, those those fish and fries were real good there. So that was okay. I had a couple orders of them while we sat there. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate you, buddy. (laughs) But thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Take care. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys next week after a tasty round of fixtures this weekend. But until then, see you later, Andrew. See you guys. Thank you.